because of the rain, the, uh, the outreach that was scheduled for today is going to be canceled. So um, we trust God and his purpose. Well, you guys worked real hard yesterday unloading my house, so maybe God knew you need some, some rest. <laughs> Thank you so much for yesterday. Nadine and I were greatly blessed. Truly, many hands make for light work. Those two pods were unloaded in an hour. Oh, my goodness. I told Nadine, I feel like we were a week ahead of schedule. So much stuff got unloaded and stuff got unpacked. It was just a, a whirlwind uh, of activity. I did get my internet service and cable TV turned on just in time to watch the Mets lose. Oh, <laughs> we need to pray for some relief hit, uh, pitching and some clutch hitting. Oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. Um, let's see. I wanted to tell you, before I start my message today, I wanted to hit a few things. Um, back in March, we had a, a pastor's meeting in Dallas with John Paul. Uh, I think we have 26 churches, bridge churches right now, and about 20 of them were represented uh, at that meeting. It was a great representation, especially just two months after the, the uh, pastor's conference that we'd had on the cruise in January. So it was a great meeting together, and it was a time for us to do some business. And a few important decisions were made at that meeting. And um, I wanted to just um, let you guys know about them. Uh, they will affect us. Uh, one of the major decisions made is that John Paul is allowing the bridge pastors to teach the streams courses. Now, it doesn't affect me lately because I've been a streams teacher for a long time and a training center leader, but a lot of the bridge pastors didn't have you know, that status. So John Paul's going to allow the bridge pastors, if they've taken the classes, to teach the classes. I have some water. Thank you. So, um, but not only that, a couple other major changes. We can host a streams class here in our church for bridge members only. We're not advertising it outside, but just in-house and offer the courses to you guys for 50 bucks a course. Now, for those of you who have taken the classes before, that's a huge savings, right? I mean, I think when I first started taking the classes, they were $125 each, and then another 50 bucks for the book. 50 bucks, you get the book, you can take the class. That's, that's, you know, that's the lowest, that's the cheapest I've seen them, the least expensive I've seen them in all the years I've been around streams. And, um, and I could teach all the classes, uh, Nadine and I together. We could teach all the classes, and we will. Um, probably in the summer, we'll begin uh, teaching some of the courses. So that's a, that's a pretty big change. So we'll have those uh, in-house. Who has not taken the 101? Okay. Who hasn't taken uh, the 201 class, Understanding Dreams and Visions? And you, we've never had uh, 202, the workshop on dream interpretation. We've never had that here. Is that correct? That's the advanced workshop on... Okay. We can do all those, and eventually we'll get around uh, to all of them. So I understand that the kinships usually close down for the summer, uh, traditionally, and maybe that'll be a good time. We'll, we'll start doing uh, uh, the... Uh, the Art of Hearing God, uh, on a weekly basis. Uh, and that'll be fun. So um, more information uh, is to come on that. Um, another thing that they're doing is they're taking off the numerical identifiers. They'll no longer be known as the 101, the 102, the 201, the 202, just by the title of their name. And there's a reason for that, because John Paul's also decided to remove the prerequisite. You don't have to take the, the Art of Hearing God, formerly known as the 101, before taking the Understanding Dreams and Visions class. You can take the courses in any order you want to. And so that is going to make it a whole lot easier for people as well. Heck, you can take the 202, formerly known as the 202, the Advanced Workshop in the Dream Interpretation. It's going to take me a while to <laughs> get those numbers out of my head. Um, if you want to, it'll be very difficult to understand that Advanced Workshop without taking the Understanding Dreams and Visions course first. But hey, if you want to spend your money that way, we feel like it's no longer, it really wasn't our responsibility to legislate a person's journey. You know, that's your own personal responsibility before you and God. So, there's lots, lots of changes as far as the courses. And there's a reason for it. And I think my influence had something to do with it with the six months I was there. I have such a passion for these courses. I have such a passion for the bridge churches. And I really felt like the distinctive that the Association of Bridge Churches has, I mean, why do we exist? I think a main reason why we exist is that the art of hearing God really emphasizes character over gifting, doesn't it? 
And the, and the Understanding Dreams and Visions courses emphasizes the awe of God or the supernatural, the presence of God. Those are, I mean, if I could boil it down to its simplest, character over gifting, the aura of God. These are the distinctives that we carry as an organization. These courses help inject distinctive into our churches. I wanted to do whatever we could to more effectively, more efficiently, and with as least resistance as possible, interject these distinctives, this spiritual DNA, into the lives of our bridge churches. These changes will help to do that. I'm excited about it. A couple of other new changes. We're come, we're, we decided to come up with a new logo for the Association of Bridge Churches. You know the, uh, the blue logo? Kind of looks like a big letter A with the orange background. I've never liked that logo. <laughs> I can tell it you publicly because I've told it to John Paul privately. Not a whole lot of people. He liked it. He liked it a lot. <laughs> His wife, Diane, said he th- she thought it looked like Gumby, you know? <laughs> So we felt like it was time for a new logo. Can we put that up on the screen? That's what the new... Does that look nice? I kind of like a couple of parts of it. That it kind of has the bridge arch underneath there. And also has the cross between the I and the D. You see that there? Kind of neat. Now the other thing is, along with this new logo, um, which I think beats the heck out of the old one by a mile, underneath where it says bridge is going to have um, some geographical identifier. So it'll say the bridge Orlando, or the bridge Dallas. So we have to come up with what city or what identifier we have to have. John Paul has requested, actually he's made it mandatory, that all the bridge churches have this as their logo and their name. With 26 churches, <clears throat> 10 of them had names other than the bridge. And he said, hey, if we're all in the same family, we should all have the last name, right? We should all have the same name. So um, what I'm recommending is that instead of going with the bridge Lindenhurst, which might limit us a little bit, who knows if God wants to move us, you know, a mile this way or a mile that way at some point, if we went with the bridge Long Island, kind of might even speak about some of the scope that we have, and we plant another bridge on Long Island, they could take the name Malvern or Rockville Center or whatever, you know in the gap. And so, um, what do you guys think about that? Does that sound pretty good? <clears throat> when I first got to the church that we had in Washington, it was a vineyard church, and the name of it was the three, uh, the Tri-Cities Vineyard, no, what was it? The Vineyard Christian Fellowship of the Tri-Cities. <sighs> Long name, right? Even though that was our name, what did everybody in town refer to us as? The Vineyard, right? We were the vineyard to everybody in town. I think it's going to be the same thing with the bridge churches. We could have, you know, you know, the Bridge Christian Fellowship of Lindenhurst, and still everybody will eventually refer to us as the bridge. So why fight it? You know, let's just, let's just go with it. So along with this new logo <clears throat> and the required uh, name change, um, we'll, we'll have to come up with things like a new website and a new sign and new leadhead and all those things. But that'll be, um, it'll say the bridge, and it'll say Long Island underneath. All right, guys? So I just wanted to bring, any got, anybody have any questions on that? Is that like pushing anybody's button really bad? If it is, just let me know, and we could pray or something. We could talk. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know. Strategically, it's not good for the first day to make massive changes, but these are kind of thrusts upon me from the, the organization on high. I think they're good changes. I certainly like the making the courses more accessible and more affordable to people. I think that's going to be a really good thing. We do the 101 here. <coughs> we do the Art of Hearing God here. And, um, and you already have a book, and you've already taken a class, and you want to sit in on it <coughs> as an alumni, you can do that for free. That would be great. You can get a refresher on it. And, get to see how Nadine and I uh, teach the class. And um, so I think there's some good, good stuff coming. All right, so if you have a Bible with you, open up to Colossians chapter 3. <clears throat> I want to talk today about setting our hearts and our minds. It's great to be back home. It is so good to be back home. 
Nadine and I had an awesome road trip. How many of you guys are tracking us on Nadine's blog, getting all the updates on where we went and seeing the pictures? She does a real good job keeping everybody up to date on that. Again, I want to thank everybody who helped yesterday with unloading and unpacking and, oh, my goodness, the food. You know, mountains and mountains of food. You guys are amazing, absolutely amazing. If, uh, I'm convinced that food is the sixth love language. And that being the case, we're feeling really, really loved right about now. So I, I do. I want to talk about setting our hearts and minds. I'll, I'll hit on three points. Choice, focus, and change. These verses from uh, Colossians chapter 3, the first two verses, have been on my heart for a while. And um, I want to offer them to you. <clears throat> Let me just tell you a couple of things about you know, how God's used me in the past. I really feel... This, um, this mandate from God to offer to people a fresh bread. And so I'll come before him weekly, say, God, what do you want to say to your people? These are your people. What do you want to tell them? And then as best as I'm able, I'll give you uh, what he gives me. Sometimes that takes me until Saturday. Sometimes he likes to edit on Sunday mornings. Oh, joy, oh, bliss. Makes very exciting times. <laughs> You know, sometimes I'll wake up on Sunday morning and realize, oh, you want to talk about something else. You know? Occasionally I'll preach a series of messages. I kind of like to do that. God will set me on a theme or I kind of, the, the visual I have in mind is like, is like if you're mining for gold, I find a vein. I just want to keep mining that vein until it taps out. So I may stay on a theme for a while just to give you an insight of where I'm coming from. The other thing is this, and I've told people in my churches this for years. My, my objective from the pulpit is to lead you, not to feed you, okay? I want to lead from the pulpit, not feed from the pulpit. So if you're expecting that your spiritual diet is going to be satisfied here, you'll probably be disappointed. This is how I see it. The shepherd leads the sheep in the green pastures, and then they eat. You know, he doesn't sit there with a scissor, cut the grass, and shove it in their mouth. You know, chew, 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 chew. Hopefully I will lead you to green pastures. A place where you can, you can graze on your own and feed yourself on your own. I don't know, that sounds like a healthier way. It sounds like a more mature way. I think it's the better way. I think it's so all. Most of what I'll share with you will be a sense of, okay, what is God saying he wants to do with us as a body? I'll point you in that direction. And then my strong encouragement to you is eat during the week. You know, spend time in the Word. Uh, look up and study the, the things that I mentioned and and find out for yourself if, if it's true. Spend time in his presence. More than anything else, I encourage you to spend time in his presence and let it be life-giving to you. So, all right. I'm going to read um, those couple of verses from Colossians 3. You can follow along. It says, uh, Paul writing to the, to the Colossians says, Since then you have been raised with Christ, Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above and not on earthly things. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for the truth of your word, for the power that's in your word. I pray that your word would go forth now and that it would not return void, but it would accomplish its full purposes and have its full impact and effect on our lives. Do it, Lord. I ask this in Jesus' name. Set then, since then, you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above and not on earthly things. I like the way um, it's um, worded in the Amplified Bible. It takes those same two verses and says it this, this way. If then you've been raised with Christ to a new life, thus sharing his resurrection from the dead, aim at and seek the rich eternal treasures that are above, where Christ is seated. Where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. And verse 2 says, And set your minds and keep them set on what is above, the higher things, not on the things that are on the earth. The King James Version states verse 2 this way, Set your affections on things above and not on earthly things. You know, my first point is choice. We all have choices to make. Almost every second of every day, we make a choice. This morning, you, you decided, what will I wear? You know, this was ironed, so I wore this shirt today. 
because we haven't found the iron yet. We found the ironing board, but we haven't found the iron. So I chose to wear this shirt, at much at the recommendation of my wife. That one's ironed. Wear that one. You came in here this morning, you decided, where will I sit, on this side or on this side? Up front or in the back? Will I have coffee or tea? One bagel or two donuts? Yeah. <laughs> Both. <laughs> right? On what? On whom will I set my affection? What will be the object of my focus? And then we have the ultimate choice. The verse begins with, If then you have been raised with Christ. You know, as Christians on Easter, we celebrate um, and we remember Christ's resur- resurrection from the dead. You know, and it's more than just a recalling of some you know, significant religious historical event. We remember, as believers, we remember and we celebrate that our relationship with the Father has been restored. And that's what the resurrection is all about. The restoration. That's what Jesus, the whole incarnation was all about. We had a broken relationship between us and the Father. And that relationship needed to be restored. And the price of that restoration was Christ. And that's what we remember. That he suffered, that he died, that he rose again so that we could be one with the Father. Jesus came to restore relationship. It's obvious that our Papa and his son, they've made their choice. They've chosen you. You ever think about that? Of the billions of people, it freaks me out sometimes. It blows my mind. Of the billions of people on this planet, he picked me. He chose me. And because he chose me, there was grace to choose him. And so it is for you too. He picked you. Of all the people in this town, all the people on Long Island, all the people in the world, he picked you because he loves you extravagantly. He loves you lavishly and wanted that your relationship with the Father could be one of intimacy again. That's awesome. So we have choices to make. Hopefully all of us here have made that ultimate choice. We've chosen to say yes to him. So once that choice is made, we move on to the point of focus. If then you have been raised with Christ, and I trust that that's true of all of us here. You know what? Just close your eyes for a second. Just kind of feel this tug on my heart. Everybody, thank you. If you've never invited Jesus into your heart, if you've never asked him to be Savior and Lord, I just want to give you a chance to do that right now. And you don't even have to say it aloud. With your eyes closed, you can just pray it in your heart. Jesus, come and take over. I've messed up. Too many areas in my life, and I need your help. Even more than help, I need you to rescue me. Rescue me, Lord. Come and take control. Thank you for saving me, for rescuing me. Now come and be Lord over every hour of my life. Amen. Now with your eyes closed, if that's the first time you prayed that prayer, can you just raise your hand? I won't pick you out. I won't make anybody look at you. just want to know. All right, great. So now that we've all made that choice, now we can move on to focus. This verse goes on. It says, If then you've been raised with Christ to a new life, thus sharing his resurrection from the dead, from this place of mutual choosing, God choosing you, you choosing God, let's focus. Or for some of us, let's refocus, as the case may be. The Amplified puts it this way, right? Aim at and seek the rich eternal treasures that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Before you can shoot at something, you have to aim at it, right? I remember you know, discovering the reality of this when my son, when he was about 10 or 11 years old, we were playing basketball. There was a basketball court just across the street from the house that we lived in. And um, he's shooting and shooting. He's missing the rim. He's missing the backboard. He's missing everything, right? The ball's not going in. So I told him, Tom, this is what I want you to do. I said, I don't want you to, face, I don't want you to focus on the backboard. I said, I don't even want you to focus on the rim. I said, you see that little piece at the back of the rim where the rim is connected to the backboard? It's about this big. I said, you see that piece? I said, I want you to look and focus exactly at that spot. Okay, Dad. He shot the ball. What happened? Went in every time. The ball would go 
where he focused. We, had to, we learned the same lesson tossing a football. We're in the backyard. He's throwing the football to me. It's going over my head this way. I've got to run after the ball. Going over my head this way. I've got to run after the ball. I was like, Tom, this is what I want you to do. Don't look at me. I said, look right here. Look exactly at my heart. Now throw the ball. Where'd the ball go? It came right to me. Right? Your focus will determine you know, what you hit. Anybody ever drive a car and get distracted looking at something down the road? Car goes where you're looking. Before you can shoot for something, you have to aim at it. It's about focus. One of the benefits that we have because of our relationship with the Father through Christ is our ability to focus or refocus. The lost are unable to refocus. Their, their affections will be on whatever their flesh leads them to. We're not limited in that way. The lost are unable to refocus. Too often, those who are saved are unwilling to refocus. But as the object of his affection, the ones that he dearly loves, we have the option to look up. Same two verses in Colossians chapter 3. The message puts it this way. I like the way Peterson words things sometimes. He says, so... If you're serious about living this new resurrection life with Christ, act like it. Pursue the things over which Christ presides. Don't shuffle along, eyes to the ground, absorbed with the things right in front of you. Look up. Look up. And be alert to what's going on around Christ. That's where the action is. See things from his perspective. Isn't that good? Mm -hmm. We can look up. Proverbs puts it this way. As a man thinks in his heart, so he, so he is. And it's the truth. I, you know, one of the benefits the last six months I had was working with John Paul was the staff meetings. We had a great time at the staff meetings. He'd, go, he'd get up early in the morning, go for these five-mile walks with God, and God would speak to him. And the Lord told him, if you give away what I give you, I'll give you more. So he'd give it away to the staff. He'd come in the morning and just unload all this revelation to us. We'd be sitting there writing. You know, He's got to be one of the most quotable men I've ever met. And one of, one of his quotes that I love, maybe you've heard it before, is this. He says, what you focus on, this is John Paul, what you focus on, you make room for. It's the truth. What you focus on, you make room for. What are you focusing on? He also says, what you fear, you empower. Again, that's John Paul. What you focus on, you make room for. What you fear, you empower. If you fear the enemy, you empower him. The fear of the Lord, ooh, that's a powerful thing. Fear him. Your mind will follow your heart. Your mind will always follow your heart. Your thoughts will follow your passions. You can discipline your mind for just so long. Eventually, your heart will win out. Has anyone here ever been on a diet? <laughs> right? You can discipline your mind for just so long. Eventually, the passions of your heart will win out. This isn't bad news. This is wonderful news. This is a key. This is a secret to our success. If we change our thinking, we will eventually influence our feelings. If we refocus our passions, our minds rush in to support it. What do you focus on? Are you looking up? Are you looking down? Are you looking back? Are you looking in? Are you looking out? What are you focused on? Are you focused on problems <laughs> or on possibilities? What you focus on, you make room for. We would train people to do these um, prophetic evangelism outreaches in Washington. And I would train our people to look beyond sin. You know, it's easy. As a revelatory person, as a prophetic person, it's easy to see sin on another person. It's easy. That's, that's low-level maturity. That's, that's pretty low-level gifting. 
it's easy to see the sin. The real challenge, the mature gift can look past the sin and see the destiny on someone. It's almost like having spiritual x-ray vision. Can you look past the outer shell and see someone's heart? Larry Randolph once said, tell them what they don't know. <laughs> they, they know that they're sinners. These people sit down. I mean, sin's just, you know, bouncing off of them. It's all over the place. But what they don't know is their destiny. What they don't know is their purpose. What they don't know is the call of God that's on their life. What they don't know is how much the Father loves them. So what are you focused on? I remember I was, doing, I was at a table once. I had two of the teenage girls from our church were there. And a couple of funny stories come. But anyway, there's one, one encounter. Um, a guy sits down, and he was very broken. And these girls were extraordinarily compassionate. And all they could feel was his po- brokenness and pain. And so that's what they told him. They told him how broken he was <laughs> and how bad they felt about it. And, um, and so afterwards, we discussed this. Like, yeah, you guys, I mean, you were right. You know, it wasn't like you were wrong. But he already knew how broken he was. And he was pretty aware of his pain. That's why you were feeling it so strongly. I said, but the next time we see someone like that, look past the pain and see what God's doing. You know? What are you focused on? Are you focused on sin? Are you focused on destiny? Right? Are you focused on the light? Or are you focused on darkness? John Paul told me, he said that as a younger man, he used to see lots of demonic creatures. He used to see a lot of stuff from the dark side of the spirit. And he didn't want to see that stuff anymore. So he asked God to only show him things of the light. What he focused on, he made room for, and God changed it. I remember one, one of the first conferences we did, John Paul was there, and and um, I opened up the conference. There's hundreds of people there. And so I decide the way I want to open up this conference is I'm going to come against you know, anything that's evil and dark and cast it out. Right? I forget how I prayed, but it was along those lines. So after the meeting, John Paul took me aside. He says, don't you think God would like to get top billing? <laughs> how about when you start the meeting, instead of addressing all the demons, why don't you just welcome in the presence of God? Instead of casting out evil, why don't you welcome in the presence of God, his light, his presence, and his power? He says, I guarantee you darkness will flee. <laughs> you don't have to cast out the demons. You just have to welcome in the presence of God. Light annihilates darkness every single time. Every time you turn that light switch on, darkness is going to flee every single time. What you focus on, you make room for. I think God would like to have top billing in our lives. Boy, he nailed me with that. (laughs) He wasn't pulling any punches. What are you focused on? As you walk through your Christian life, are you more keenly aware of the heavenly beings that are with you or the demonic beings that are attacking you? What, What are you more attuned to? Wouldn't it be a lot more fun to live this Christian life if we focused more on the light than on the darkness? I think some of the demonic problems that we all have to contend with will take care of themselves with a simple change of focus. What we focus on, we make room for. What we fear, we empower. We can change our focus. We can choose to look up. We can set our minds on heavenly things and not on things below. Are you guys tracking with me? Yeah. Does this sound like God? Yes. All right, that's good. Nobody's thrown anything yet, Nay. <laughs> so I said, if we refocus our passions, our minds will rush in to support it. Fuel your passion, and your mind will change. Fuel your passion. What are you passionate about? What's your godly passion? I think I said this last time. Godly, the difference between godly passion and fleshly passion. Godly passion is fire in the fireplace. Warms up the whole house. Fleshy passion is fire on a living room rug, burns down the whole house. (laughs) What's your godly passion? That will lead you to your destiny. Focus on that. If you focus on that, your mind will change. What's God giving you passion for? How about this? Why don't you make him your passion? Why don't you be passionate after him? That can't be wrong. It's not wrong. 
That's awesome. It's the way things ought to be. So here's a good question. What have you been thinking about? Here's a better question. Who owns your heart? If you own your heart, you'll be focused on earthly things. If he owns your heart, you'll be focused on heavenly things. Let him have ownership of your heart. Okay, now change. Moving from seeking and aiming to setting. The Amplified, again, says to set your mind, to set your minds and keep them set on what is above, the higher things, not of the things that are on the earth. The King James Version, to remind you again, says to set your affections on things above. Back in the Tri-Cities in Washington, they used to have these fierce winds, these windstorms would kick up out of, out of nowhere. And people in the Tri-Cities learned that if they wanted to keep their fences upright around their property, that they could not set those fences with wood fence posts. They had to dig a hole and put metal, uh, steel, or some kind of galvanized metal fence post in. Otherwise, the fence, it, it would never stand up to the wind. You know, they needed to be able to withstand the storms. They needed to dig a hole, pour cement, cement, and set a metal pole. And once it was set, it could withstand. Dictionary.com has 100 definitions for the word set. 100 definitions. Number 29 is my favorite. To put into a fixed, rigid, or settled state. St. Paul is telling us in Colossians 3 what the writer of Hebrews is telling us in Hebrews 12 too. Fix your eyes on Jesus. The author and perfecter of our faith. We need to set our eyes on him. We need to set our minds on him. We need to fix our eyes on Jesus. We need to set and keep set our minds and our affections on things that are above. And for all of this, it means change. John Paul refers to it as above-the-line thinking. Anybody ever hear him teach that message, above-the-line thinking? Take a piece of paper, draw a line in the middle of it, shade the bottom half, right? That's below the the line thinking. That's thinking earthly. Above-the-line thinking is thinking heavenly. We want to be people who think above the line. Have you ever heard the phrase, don't be so heavenly minded that you know earthly good? That's a lie from the pit of hell. Okay? That phrase is a lie from the pit of hell. Because you will never be any earthly good unless you are heavenly minded. Why do I say it's from the pit of hell? Because it's directly contradictory to what the Word of God says. It says to set your mind on things above where Christ is seated. Set your mind on heavenly things and not on earthly things. And it takes practice for us to do that. It takes, it takes focus for us to do that. It requires change for us to do that because we've been trained and conditioned all of our lives to focus on earthly things, to live by our five senses on what's around us. And the Word of God is challenging us to do things quite differently, to set our minds on things above. Unless we're heavenly-minded, we are no earthly good. You can change the way you think by changing your focus. And we need that, especially in these times. You know, the state of our economy right now. Anybody seen something about the swine flu pandemic in the news lately? On our trip from uh, Texas to, to New York, we stopped in Fort Mill, South Carolina, visited some friends. And one of the friends I got to spend some time with, his name is Jim Driscoll. Jim runs the interpretmydream.com website, and he's just a great guy. He's become a good friend, and um, he's really insightful. We had a conversation about this. I said, Jim, how bad do you think things are going to get, and, and what do we need to do about it? We had a real long conversation about it. And part of our conversation, um, he mentioned how you know, some, in some circles they're talking about the need to, to store up food, you know, in case things get really bad. Anybody ever seen any of that stuff out there? 
I don't know, maybe it's a good idea or not a bad idea to store up food. If you can, great. If you can't. But I thought about this. If I, if, you know, if I went to one of those survival websites and got myself a year's worth of freeze-dried food for me and Nadine and my two kids and had it all stored away in my basement, right? and Laura knocks at my door and says she's hungry, <laughs> am I going to feed her? Yeah. You bet I'm going to feed her. And she brings five of her friends. Am I going to feed them too? I'm going to feed all five of them for as long as they want to stay. So maybe it's a good idea or not a good idea to store food for our families. But maybe this would be better. What if we could pray over food and it multiplied? (laughs) What if we could lay our hands on the sick and they got healed? What if we could lay our hands on the dead and they were raised? Now, I could have a couple of days worth of food. And it'll feed Laura, all her friends, my wife, and my kids. Anybody else who wants to come over. I don't know. That sounds like above-the-line thinking to me. You know what I think is most needed? I think it's most needed now. It's probably most needed always. But especially now is intimacy with God. As your new pastor, I will tell you, number one, the most important thing you can do is that whatever it takes for you to be intimate with him, be intimate with him. Do whatever works. Go where the life is for you. Whatever gets you from this place to intimacy with him, do that thing. And it may be different for different people. For some of you, it might be worship. I mean, so so often in my life, if I could worship him, it can get me to that intimate place. Then there are other times, you know what? There's life on the word. I can read it, and it's like the words that jump off the page and bite me on the face. And I've got to be honest with you. There are times I read the word, it's like sawdust. I'm getting nothing. I'm not getting anything. But, oh, intercession? I can intercede for hours. It's extraordinarily life-giving. Go where the life is. Whatever works for you, whatever God's given grace and favor on, whatever he's breathing on right now that allows you to be intimate with him, Be intimate with him. Because out of intimacy with him, I know that at least these two things will come forth. And these are the things that we'll need, no matter how bad the economy gets, no matter what kind of pandemic hits, no matter what else we have to face. If all five elements of the perfect storm that John Paul preached about, if they all hit on Long Island all at the same time, and I don't think they will, but if they were, if we can have the fruit of intimacy, we'll do fine. Because the, some of the fruit of intimacy will be this. One is it'll be love. We'll be able to love one another. And so Laura will come to my door and say she's hungry, and I won't take out my shotgun and blow her away because i got to save up all my freeze-dried goods. But my heart will be poured out in love for her and say, yes, come. You know anybody else who's hungry? They could come and eat too. Love will be born out of intimacy. The other thing that's birthed out of intimacy is faith. So that when they sit at my table, I can lay hands on whatever food is there and say, God, feed us all. And he'll take the few loaves of bread and fish I brought for lunch, and he'll feed thousands. But more than enough left over. That, my friends, is above-the-line thinking. So I don't want you focused on how do I love better. I don't even want you to focus on how do I have faith better. We can all get better at those things. But there's only one true source for genuine love and actual faith. And that's intimacy with God. It's the only way we can get there. So focus on Him. Set your minds on things above. Set your mind on Him. Fuel that passion. Do whatever it takes to stoke that fire. And whatever God does with us, wherever we go from here, it'll be good. It'll benefit you personally, It'll benefit us as a community. No matter how bad things get outside. All right, let's see. So how do I do this? There's some practical tips. Focus on relationship. Make friendship with God your ultimate objective. Be his friend. Don't set as your ultimate objective some type of supernatural experience or dreams or visions. Those are good things. But let them simply be the means to the end. And the end is this. 
friendship with God. Intimacy in his presence. And there's lots of different ways. I say, go where the life is. Whatever works for you, go where the life is. And set the bar at an attainable goal. Maybe you can't wake up tomorrow morning and spend an hour in his presence. Can you walk around the block for 15 minutes and just meet with him? Just go for a walk with God. You don't need any study guides. You don't need a website. You don't need high-speed internet, as much of a gift as that is. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> you don't need a guitar. You don't need anything. Just go for a walk with God. And do that tomorrow and the day after that. And the day after that. Go walk with him for 10 minutes, for 15 minutes. And have, have that kind of relationship with him every day. See where it goes. Let's pray. Father, <clears throat> I confess that I've sinned against you in my thoughts, in my words, in my deeds, and the things I've done, and the things I've failed to do. I confess the sin that I've set my mind on earthly things and not on heavenly things. I confess the sin putting more time and energy into process than into relationship. Lord, forgive me. Forgive us. Lord, take us from this place and lead us to where you want us to be. I ask for myself and for everyone else here that we would be intimate with you. Lord, whatever it takes, no matter what, whatever the price, Whatever the cost, I don't care. Take me to the place of intimacy. Deal ruthlessly, O oh God, with anything that I exalt in my life to the position that you and you alone have a right to. And Lord, I pray that I would be your friend. And I pray for everyone else here that they would be friends of God. Lord, I pray that we would begin to see in our church the fruit of that intimacy. That love would explode in this place. That faith would explode in this place. Passion for you would become contagious. Make it so, God. Do it, Lord. Do it, Lord. Hmm. Lord, I thank you for your presence right now. If you're sitting there and you feel like, hey, I need, I'd really like for somebody to pray for me, you just raise your hand. You want somebody to pray for you? Let's keep your hands up. Now we have prayer team members around here. Yeah, those who are released to pray, would you go find one of those people, just sit next to them and pray for them? If you want prayer, open your hands. If you've been released to pray, <clears throat> I don't know who you are yet. I haven't figured all that out yet. You know who you are. Go pray for people. Let's let's. Let the body minister to one another right now. Do it, Lord. That's the kind of music we can throw on back there. Thank you, Lord. Lord, meet every need. There are physical needs in this room. I pray, Lord, that, that there would be a release of healing in this place. Lord, there's um, emotional needs. I pray that you uh, I just see in the spirit as... I mentioned emotional needs, that there's like, like thorns that are being, or splinters, that's what it is. It's like splinters. People have, some people have splinters in their hearts. And they're not big. It's not like you've been run through with a lance. It's just a splinter. But boy, oh boy, has it been irritating. Lord, I pray right now for those who have that emotional irritant. Remove those splinters. Let's do it. Thank you, Jesus. Father, for some of us, there's been an obstacle to intimacy with you because <clears throat> though you've made man in your image, many of us have made God in man's image. God, you look so much like our earthly fathers, it's kind of scary to come close to you. Lord, I pray 
that you, you would release us a wave of healing right now. Any obstacle to intimacy with you. Lord, open our eyes that we could see you as you really are. Let's get a glimpse of your holiness. Give us a glimpse of your purity. Do it, Lord. Pull back the veil. Lord, I ask today that we would acquire the fullness of what's been won for us on Calvary. Our full rights, oh God. Do it, Lord. Lord, I ask even now that you would release a wave of your spirit. I ask for, just like Paul prayed for the church at Ephesus, oh God, that you would give to us the spirit of wisdom and revelation. That we would know you better. Give us the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of revelation so that we would more intimately know you. Make it so, God. Do it, Lord. Do it, Lord. Who rejects gain from extortion and keeps his hand from accepting bribes. Who stops his ears against plots of murder and shuts his eyes against contemplating evil. Pour out your spirit. This is the man who will dwell on the heights. Whose refuge will be the mountain fortress. Lord, I pray that you would release hope. His bread will be supplied and water will not fail. Release hope, O oh God. Your eyes will see the Lord, I pray that you would release um, godly passion. I pray for the people of the bridge here, Lord, that we would dream God-sized dreams. Give us passion, Lord, for dreams that have been initiated by you. Do it, Lord. Do it, Lord. I just welcome you to just kind of feel sweet in his presence right now. Stay as long as you like. If you need prayer, no one's praying for you, just raise your hand. Someone will come and pray for you. The rest of you, you're free to go if you need to. If you just kind of want to hang out and talk, maybe it'd be good to do it in the lobby. This feels like this is a holy place right now. Let's just maintain his presence. Amen. Bless you guys. Thank you, Jesus.
fields of heaven. They're all around us. They're in us. They're through us. say.